This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault, and today we are having our second episode in our Make Remake series. And the first episode talked about Seven Samurai and the Magnificent Seven. And on this episode, uh, we'll be talking about Dawn of the Dead, both the 1978 original version and the 2004 remake. Once again, I am joined by Stephanie Pryor, who is with me on the last Make Remake episode. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Not a problem. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, we watched these movies together, so we were able to kind of take notes at the same time and compare them. Um, and the reason why I decided I wanted to do this specific set of movies is uh, because of the passing of George A. Romero, the director of the original Dawn of the Dead movie. Uh, I had always wanted to watch some of his films, and I feel like with his passing recently, back in July, that now is as good a time as ever to really uh, start looking at his films. For those of you that don't know, uh, George A. Romero is basically considered the the godfather or grandfather of the zombie film. He pretty much created the entire template from it with his first film, Night of the Living Dead, which was truly groundbreaking when it came out in 1968 it was one of the first films to have a black lead actor in it which was a, a pretty unusual thing at the time uh, and also it's portrayal of horror in general and he continued to refine and uh, create new landmark cinema throughout his entire career i actually didn't realize it that he actually died in toronto which was surprising to me. I didn't realize that until I was looking it up. He unfortunately died with a short but very aggressive battle with lung cancer. Um, but the tributes were pouring in as soon as he died about how much he influenced just about everyone, not just in the horror side of things, but in movie making as a whole. Uh, so I, I was, was really interested to finally get into some of his work and it was a good time as ever to talk about him, uh, with this make remake series. Now, for those of you who don't know what the purpose is, what we do is we, uh, we dis dissect two films, one that's remade from the other and talk about how they are similar because obviously when you're telling the same story twice, there's going to be similarities. And then of course, how they're different because every filmmaker needs to put their own spin on things. And so what does Romero do in his film and what does Zack Snyder, the director of the remake do that makes things his own unique, uh, way of doing things? Um, so, uh, I figure we should probably get into talking about this. What do mm -hmm. you think about that? Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're going to take a short little break. And when we come back, we are going to start talking um, about what uh, sets these films apart while also making them similar at the same time. They're still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. They don't know why. They just remember Remember that they want to be in here. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddaddy used to tell us. He 
know Mukumbo? Furu. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk there. So, as I discussed earlier, the whole purpose for this make-remake series is to talk about similarities and differences. We're going to talk first about some differences because I find that there is more differences than similarities, which we're going to get into. Um, but uh, I'll start with you, Steph. Uh, what did you find with uh, some differences between these two films? So I thought an interesting difference between the zombies themselves was that in the original the zombies were actually the dead coming to life. And in the remake, the zombies were caused by a virus that was transforming them into these cannibals. So you would call them, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I think that's done very interestingly. Uh, In the first film, we open up on this news station where uh, the anchor is discussing it with a guest about how best to uh, deal with this, whatever this scenario is, uh, how to either protect yourself, how to kill them, things like that. So we we start this film entering this world where they already exist and people are already aware of them. Whereas in the remake, uh, we kind of start with Sarah Pauli's character, Anna, who is a nurse who's had treated someone at her hospital that received a bite and she wonders where this patient went and suddenly she finds out that they got transferred to a different ward because they had an infection but we don't see what happens and then later the next day when she's at home with her husband her daughter comes into their bedroom and she is a zombie and attacks sarah Polly and her husband and when she escapes she realizes that uh, the rest of the world around her is also discovering them at the same time. Her neighborhood is in chaos. Some houses are on fire. People are driving erratically. People are being attacked by zombies, things like that. So there's, there's some, uh, differences b- between the ways we are introduced to this world, which I thought was an interesting way of doing it. Um, I think another, big difference between it is the actual depiction of the zombies definitely uh in in the original you have the classic zombie created by romero um where they are slow meandering brainless walking into walls things like that where they're they're just mindless idiots dead bodies is what they are walking dead bodies uh whereas in the new one they run they're aggressive uh you call them acrobatic they jump around they fall from ceilings they very agile they're very agile creatures and so there's a real big difference from the way this horror is actually experienced in the original it's this uh slow dread where even though you can see them coming and you know where they are uh there's this feeling of existential dread Mm -hmm. always surrounding you whereas in the new one the way the horror is is you never know where it's going to be they can pop out in any corner they can jump from behind you they can chase you down whatever it is so it's it's much more of the jump scares which have become very commonplace in a lot of horror films so you have these two very different creatures at the center of their films yeah i think a big contrast with with that is that in the original, there really is no motivation behind the zombies' actions. You know, it just seems to be kind of 
um, habit to them that it's they're killing for food. You know, it's it's what they need to do. It's necessity. It's just a side effect of being a zombie. Whereas in the remake, you know, Snyder creates a real villain here where it seems to stem from anger. They're aggressive, like you said. They're angry. They they want to kill. They're running after you. So he creates a real sense of villainy with with these disturbed zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other differences that you thought about? Uh, well, something that was very clear is, well, clear, I guess, and in, unclear is the infection rates, like the times where it takes in between from a bite and turning into a zombie. So in the original, you know, it, it kind of, it's more of a slow transition you're still not sure exactly how long it takes, but you've seen several scenes where you know it's at least a couple of days before you actually turn into a zombie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's experienced by the the Roger character here, where he gets bitten, and there's definitely some passage of time. It's not clear exactly how long. We assume it's probably right. days, but we don't know exactly. There, we just are led to believe that there's a passage of time. Whereas in the new one, uh, it's frankly uh all over the place the mm-hmm. the very first zombie turn we see is when sarah paulie's husband gets bitten <clears throat> and it takes only a matter of seconds uh for him to turn into a zombie he has his you know big huge chunk taken out of his neck so i guess you're led to believe that maybe if it's a more an intense bite it's quicker uh, but then you have another character who is this father who's only in it for a short period of time. And uh, it seems like it probably takes a few hours, maybe. You, you don't know. He shows up to the mall all, already, bitten. already bitten. And not too much time passes before he turns into a zombie. There's There's a bit of a passage, but not that much. And then lastly, you have this pregnant woman who, much like the original film, there's a large passage of time. We don't know if it's days or weeks, but there is definitely some semblance of time that has passed and she has finally turned. Uh, so it's very inconsistent about what is the actual infection rate between this. And, and because of that, you actually lose some of the horror itself. In the original, you only have the one bite that you can really compare, but you have this looming dread because this man is slowly dying and he can't do anything to be saved. Whereas in this remake, we have no idea what's happening. Is it going to be super quick or is it going to take a long time? So you don't really know how to feel about the moment as these turns are coming. Yeah. So that's a little tough. Um, one of one of the other things uh, that you had kind of uh, brought to my attention was was the differences between the cast size. Right in the original, it's quite small. You only have four main characters, and you're introduced to them individually at the beginning, so you kind of get a sense of who they are, and then you learn more about them when they come together, and then finally, as their characters develop and their relationships develop your relationship with the characters themselves also develop. So you create those ties and you get this this kind of affection for these characters and you have a loyalty to them. You don't want to see them, you know, get hurt or die or turn. You have a real strong feeling t- towards them. Whereas in the remake, you know, you got one main central character being Sarah Polly and who gets introduced to all these other characters that just seem to keep coming every 20 minutes or so you're introduced to you know a pack of three new characters and then a pack of four new characters and then at one moment it 
a truck comes up and there's like, I don't know, six or seven or eight new characters. So there's constantly new characters being thrown at you where you, you just kind of give up caring. You're like, oh, okay, there's another person. Oh, and there's another person. And you, you realize quite quickly, you know, that they're pretty much a zombie bait. They're there for the scare tactic of watching somebody die and somebody get bit. And you, you just know they're not going to make it to the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you definitely don't care as much. Um, with the original, with the four cast members, you actually get to see these real big character growths and character arcs happen. And uh, that is replaced by each character only having single arcs. Uh, for most of them. So where the four of them changed and grew, you had, uh, these, some, these, these changes just spread out over all these different people. Um, and so it kind of takes away from the caring of these characters. Yeah. Um, the whole reason behind Dawn of the Dead is that you have these people that are, uh, stranded in a shopping mall. And the original, much like all of Romero's work, was a social critique, a, a satire. And so this idea of zombies coming to the mall and one of the characters says, why are they doing that? And the response is, well, maybe because that's what they did when they were alive and they just remember coming here. So you have this idea of uh, people mindlessly walking around the mall because that's the way they used to be because that's a critique on consumerism and materialism and capitalism, this idea that you, uh, us as human beings will just wander around malls and you buy things that make you feel good or you just want to see pretty things and things like that. And it just, it just consumes us. And then that sort of eventually gets manifested with this group of four who, when they originally start out, they're just eating army ration supplies. And then they go into the mall and uh, they need survival items and they decide to get more food. So they take that. And then uh, they are originally just sleeping up against the wall. So they get some mattresses and throw them on the floor. And then slowly they get bed sets and they get some places to seat, to sit down. So there's chairs still in the wrapping. Uh, and then they start getting more things. So they transfer it into a full bedroom and then a dining set and then a full kitchen. And suddenly they're living their lives just the way they used to. And they're perfectly content and they're happy and they have what they need because they're comfortable, which is this idea that we're all just zombies uh, walking around buying things. Mm-hmm. So you see the original zombies and you'll you kind of laugh at them. You're like, oh, that's silly. But then when you realize that we're the zombies actually – uh, for, for being so materialistic. That's where kind of the critique really comes into play. Whereas in the new one, none of that symbolism or social commentary is there. There's a throwaway line near the beginning where they talk about the zombies going to the mall because that's what they remember. But other than that, they don't really have any of that same social critique. Yeah, it's almost instantaneous that where they just go into all the stores to get, you know, whatever they want. They kind of go on a shopping spree and... It really comes across as just being like spoiled looters who are just happy to try on these fancy things that they wouldn't have been able to buy. And they're just having fun with it. There's really no commentary behind it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I think one of the biggest things that is different about these two films are the endings themselves. Um, one in the original, it ends where you have Francine played by Galen Ross, um, 
about to fly away in a helicopter and you have um Peter who is decide he'd rather just kill himself by the last second he decides he's going to escape as well so he runs off uh, and manages to catch the helicopter and they fly away but then you have this implicit understanding that they don't have that much fuel in their helicopter and plus wherever they're flying to they're eventually going to have to land one way or another and you don't know how far away are these zombies does this plague spread everywhere what's mm-hmm. going to happen when they land are they going to have to go through the same ordeal where they have to fight off more zombies are they even going to live through that what's going to happen so there's this little there there's a bit of optimism in the ending maybe they'll they'll find somewhere safe maybe they'll run into some more help things like that um yeah it's like a glimmer of hope towards a impending doom exactly yeah so so you leave the theater you know, if you really think about it, you know what's going to happen. You know that this isn't going to end well for these people, but there is this sort of sense of bleak optimism in it. Where is in the new one, there's no ambiguity at all. Uh, these characters get into a boat that's owned by Ty Burrell's character and they escape from all the zombies and then they run out of fuel right as they get to this island and there's this handheld camera which became really popular at the time, this sort of found footage. Um, and so you see these characters about to get off the boat and then this giant swarm of zombies come through the trees of this island and you don't see these people all gain directly attack. You see some of them being attacked and then you hear their screams, uh, but you understand that there is no escape for these people. They have no fuel in their boat. They're docked. There is nothing else on this island that you can see and entire swarm like a huge angry bees nest comes out from the trees and attacks them all. There is there, there's there's no hiding. There's no ambiguity in this. And, and you just sort of are treated. You're pandered. The audience is pandered to where you're made to feel stupid uh, in, in such a way because one, you have to think about the ending a little bit in the original, and you ha- you can have hope, you can interpret it how you want. And as the other one, you just know how it ends. And so that's a little uh, frustrating when you're dealing with, with films in that sense. Um, do you have any other differences? No? no? Okay. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Though, though, I think those are the biggest differences. You know, we can kind of go a lot more on some of the smaller points, but those, are, I think, are the biggest differences that are deserving of being talked about. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the similarities between these movies. Oh, shit. Oh, wah, ah, ah, ah. Get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. So previously, we were talking about the differences between these two Dawn of the Dead movies, and now we're going to talk about some similarities between these two movies. Steph, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, sure. I think it's something that was interesting with drawing similarities between these two films is the recurring of scenes, almost shot for shot, but 
you know, tweaked into their own way. So funnily enough, each of the reoccurring scenes kind of happened in the original with a character named Roger. So there are three main scenes that I found that were duplicated in the remake. For one of them, you have Roger who has been bitten and who can't walk. And at one point you've got Peter, his SWAT buddy, who is dragging him, I think in a wheelbarrow and Roger has two guns, and while Peter's dragging him backwards, he's shooting off these guns and, and taking out these zombies as they try to escape or grab whatever they need. And while in the remake, you have this kind of hillbilly character, he's very secondary, tertiary, if you want to call him that, uh, where he, he hurts his legs and he can't walk. So CJ, who's played by Michael Kelly, hands him two guns and decides to pull him through this sewer. And then he sees, as he's pulling him, uh, this this character is shooting off both guns at the zombies that are coming at him. Then you've also got uh, Roger while he's been bit, and he's as he's finally dying, he's got a blanket that's over his face, and as he finally turns, the blanket kind of slips from his face, and you can see the zombie cell, the zombie Roger, versus you know real life Roger, and that's also replayed in the re- remake where there's an older woman who who's introduced and she's pretty much already gone. She's the color's gone from her face. She's got these veins popping out of her face. And uh, eventually she does die. And Sarah Polly's character covers her face with a blanket. And as she's talking to the, to the other characters, you can see behind her, this, this body sit up and the, the blanket falls from her face. So again, very similar. Lastly, there's uh, a scene where again, with Roger, as he's waiting to turn, his buddy Peter is sitting in the same room and he knows that he's going to have to kill him, but he's waiting for Roger to turn before he does that because he's, it's obviously, you know, there's morals and, you know, is it right to kill someone before they turn to a zombie? Do you have to wait till they become a zombie? So there's that scene. And then in the, in the remake, you've got, you're introduced to this father character and his daughter and you, you learn that he's been bitten and the remainder of the characters have to decide, okay, we obviously have to take care of him. Do, do we kill him now or do we wait? And eventually they decide to wait it out. And it's two characters in a room again where you're waiting for him to turn. And then he eventually turns and you can hear the gunshot. And you know that he's killed him post-death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are definitely direct homages to the original as far as sort of keeping the the similar filmmaking uh, between the two of them. And so that's really interesting seeing all that repeated again, done in their own ways. Um, I think another big one is uh, the return of the original cast members to yeah. multiple roles. Um, you know, you have... Uh, probably the, the biggest character to come back is Ken Forey, who played Peter, uh, in the original one of the, the cops in it, comes back in this televangelist preacher who's shown on TV, kind of prophesizing about the end of times, talking about what's going on in this world and, and who's to blame and what to do. And he actually gets to repeat the same original catchphrase that he has in the original one of when hell is full, the dead will walk the earth. So that was pretty interesting seeing him come back and and revise, uh, not necessarily the same character because they're completely different, but seeing him back was a a nice little touch. Uh, And then you also had 
Scott H. Reiniger, who played Roger in the original, uh, come back as this military general. At the beginning of the movie, they're kind of flipping through news stations and seeing all the death and destruction worldwide. And you have this brief clip of a military action being taken. And uh, it's kind of a bit of a a blink and you'll miss it moment uh, of Roger coming back. But he is indeed there. And then lastly, you have... um, the original uh, makeup effects person, Tom Savini, who also played the the leader of the, the motorcycle gang at the end of the movie, come back and play this character who he's sort of unnamed about what he exactly is. But he uh, explains how to kill the zombies. He explains that you either need to destroy the brain or decapitate the head. Uh, and so he gets to have this nice little scene. And he still looks exactly the same yes, all these I... years later where he can't really be be missed for who he is. And so he gets to come back. So the three of them are back. Um, Galen Ross, who plays Francine, is not brought back, but there is a store in the new mall that's called, I believe, Galen's Boutique. So that's a nice little nod to her. The only one who doesn't really have any sort of present is David M.G., who played Stephen in the original. Yeah. So something I appreciated about both films is that they featured female leads. Now, while they both have female leads, I think that's pretty much you know, the end of the similarity. But I do want to talk about them each individually. So in the original, you have Galen Ross, who made the conscious decision to to not scream. She didn't want to be the stereotypical damsel in distress. And she was very adamant about not wanting to scream because she wanted to be portrayed as a strong female character. Now, I didn't really feel that at the beginning of the movie. You know, she didn't want to go down once they first get to the mall. She didn't want to go down with the three guys to check it out. And she she kind of whimpered and ran away from a zombie once it finally came and, and found her in the room by herself. But after that, there was a bit of a turning point where she just said, you know, I don't, I'm not just going to be a sitting duck here. I need to learn how to shoot. I want to be left with a gun. You're going to teach me how to learn how to fly the helicopter. And so that's when you finally begin to see this strong female character, which I really appreciated. And then you have uh, Sarah Pauly, who plays Anna, who is arguably the main character of the remake. But she's not a weak character, but she's definitely not a strong character. She kind of is just there. And I don't really understand why she is the, the main character. She just, she doesn't add anything. She doesn't provide solutions to any problems. She's just not a driving force for the plot. She just seems to be that character who's always there to witness what's happening around her. Yeah, at the beginning they kind of set it up. Uh, she's this nurse and she helps a few characters with their wounds and you sort of expect that to, to kind of be a common theme throughout the movie but they basically drop that right after the beginning um there's one character who's pregnant and you expect there to be uh, some interaction between uh, a nurse and a pregnant woman but there isn't any at all to the point where it's kind of confusing why there isn't mm-hmm. um especially since they make a big scene about needing proper hospital care when you have someone who's a trained professional there you expect there to be a little bit more contact between those characters and, and other than that there there really isn't much else that she does it's a bit of a wasted character considering sarah Polly is such a talented actress uh, to be having her do that so i don't really know uh, why that was done that way. Um, you were kind of talked a bit about, uh, 
killing of zombies, I think some similarities between it is this idea that uh, the heroes start out finding it hard to kill. You know, in the original movie, there's a scene right at the very beginning where one of the cops gets uh, attacked by two children zombies and he kind of starts freaking out and doesn't know what to do and he has to be saved. And then uh, even earlier in the film, one of the other cops, after he has to kill a bunch of the zombies, he ends up crying and breaking down. And when they get to the mall, there's a bit of difficulty about understanding what they need to do. Um, and then in the, the new version, it's the same sort of way. You know, there's this moment where there's a father daughter scene where after the father had been bitten, they understand that he has to go. But the rest of the group is debating, is it morally ethical to kill him before he turns into a zombie or should they wait? Because either way, he's going to come back to life. So they don't really understand what they need to do. And there's, so there's that bit of a debate, even though I feel that that scene was kind of rushed and not properly explored. You don't really sympathize with the characters and the decisions that they have to make to, in order to save themselves. Um, so that's interesting. And then they eventually both films sort of progress where they seem to take pleasure in the act of killing these zombies. In the original, uh, they hop in a car that they find in the mall and you have one character hanging out the back of the trunk shooting zombies as the car is sliding around the tiles and running over zombies. Um, and, and there's some other moments like that where they really sort of take pleasure in finding new and creative ways to kill these things. Mm-hmm. And then the new one, they play a game where they're on the roof of the mall and the mall is surrounded by zombies. And across the street from the mall, there's a gun shop. And so they look at the zombie horde and they find celebrity doppelgangers and they write on this giant whiteboard, hold it up. And the gun shop owner, who's also still alive, sees it and uh, uses a, a sniper rifle to try to find these zombie lookalikes and kill them. And every time he, he kills one of them, everyone on the roof goes nuts. They go cheering and they're laughing and think it's the best thing in the world. In fact, they try to make it more difficult and find more obscure doppelgangers. So there's this real sort of aspect of enjoying this killing um, where we're both movies really sort of take it to that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any other similarities that you want to talk about? No, I mean, there's very little similarities between these movies really, other than they share the same name. They take place in a mall and there happens to be a pregnant woman as one of the characters. There's, there's, Really little else to compare as a similarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of difficult to really talk about it because the Zack Snyder version decided to go in such a wildly different direction, something that I wasn't really aware of when I decided to pick these two films for us to to analyze. Um, But I still think there's enough that we can kind of talk about that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you had never seen a, a Romero film before, I definitely think you should 
check one out. I, I wish I had seen uh, Night of the Living Dead first. You know, I think that would be the next one that I really want to watch. There's some uh, interesting things about that. You know, Romero was always boundary pushing and, and breaking rules and making them his own. In fact, Night of the Living Dead, you know, had one of the very first movies where it was a black lead character, something that just was pretty unheard of outside of the exploitation films uh, for a mainstream Hollywood film sort of. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. And, you know, in Dawn of the Dead, they had such a interesting take on, uh, on a female protagonist as well. So that's pretty interesting. You can also really see where Romero's influence stretches over the entire subgenre of zombie movies and horror movies in general. The exact same year that the Dawn of the Dead remake came out in 2004 was when Shaun of the Dead came out. And you can't help but watch that and see how many homages and indebted that film is to the original Dawn of the Dead and the other zombie films, I imagine, as well. So much so that George Romero actually was quite a fan of Shaun of the Dead, whereas in an interview he had talked about how he quite enjoyed the first 15 to 20 minutes of the Dawn of the Dead remake, but then very clearly did not say anything else about the rest of it, probably meaning that he did not care for that movie as a whole, which is interesting. Uh, you're actually uh, a fan of The Walking Dead, and mm -hmm. I think you found some similarities between Romero's work and that, didn't you? Yeah, um... Uh, apart from the zombies being very similar, you know, being slow, being kind of menacing, um, and the way that the characters react with the zombies around them, I found it really interesting while I was researching the the whole dead series of Romero's, um, the ties that you could link between each setting of each film with different seasons of The Walking Dead. Now, I know The Walking Dead is obviously based off of graphic novels, but... You know, Night of the Living Dead, which was the first one, takes place in a farmhouse, which one of the seasons, I believe it's season two, of Walking Dead takes place in a farmhouse. And you've got Dawn of the Dead that takes place in a mall. Um, there's no mall in The Walking Dead, but there is a, a prison that, you know, it holds beds, it holds the, the rations of foods, you know, it's a safe haven for them to, to take to take place in. So that's a, a similarity there. You got the Day of the Dead, which takes place in an underground bunker, which can be related to like Negan's group and where they reside. And then the Land of the Dead takes place in this walled city, which is pr pretty much exactly how they describe Alexandria in the latter seasons of The Walking Dead. So it's really interesting to see how each film, you know, has a tie to a different season of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting. You can really see where, uh, Robert Kirkman, the creator of the Walking Dead, uh, graphic novels was drawing some of his inspiration. I think you can't really make a zombie movie somehow without including the works of Romero, whether directly or indirectly referencing his works. He's just that important to the genre. Uh, and, and horror movies in general really owe a lot to his work. Um, this was your first time watching the original Dawn of the Dead movie. Uh, mm -hmm. did you have any thoughts about that? Did, like whether you liked it or not? Yeah, I think I really appreciated this one. I mean, from the zombies that we know in today's world where they're, you know, extremely frightening and we're kind of used to them. Whereas these zombies, you know, are quite different. They're slow, as we keep saying, and, but there's, there's more 
thought behind them, you know? This film, the original, yes, is about zombies, but it's more about the characters and how they interact with these zombies, how they survive, how they live with each other. And that's something I really appreciated about the original, you know, is the the true character development. And I think I thought the casting was really well done because I really enjoyed each character and I loved their relationships with each other and how they grew. And you could really see the transformation from the beginning of the film to the end in each of these characters. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I what after I watched the original Dawn of the Dead, I like going on to Letterbox and writing a little review and giving a star rating. I kind of left that movie not really sure exactly how to think about it. I, I really appreciated the character development and uh, the overall story, but I found the pacing was a little slow at times and some of the humor uh, isn't as funny anymore and it's done in a very comic booky style that's a, a little silly at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left just kind of scratching my head, being unsure of exactly what I thought about it exactly. Although when I, after I watched the remake version and how much I hated that, I realized I actually quite enjoyed the original. (laughs) Uh, I I had so many issues with the, this remake, you know, the, between the plot holes and the inconsistencies and, uh, and, and things like that, you know, it just kind of puts a damper on it. And then you also have some humor that has just not aged all that well. You have one character calling others faggots, which if that movie was made five years later, that wouldn't be allowed to be included. Uh, you had an older gentleman who's basically seems like uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. And it seems like his only real goal is to weird people out by talking about uh how he's gay uh there's a scene where he's in front of a holding cell where some of the security guards who had kind of gone rogue get thrown into and he talks about how he first learned he was gay when he was a teenager while these two security guards are all grossed out and they're doing push-ups and working out and it's just kind of this really weird off-putting scene um and then there's some like bad use of horror tropes with this idea of, uh, you know, they're in a dark underground parking lot and, you know, one character hears things and thinks he sees something in the shadows. You're not sure. And then all of a sudden it's just a dog and suddenly they're safe. And then a second later, oh no, a zombie pops out. But like you understand this plotting of this horror movie trope of where you get your expectations up and you think something scary is going to happen. But in reality, it's something comforting. And then, or at least it's a misdirection. And then afterwards you have the real scare when you're least expecting. It just became very predictable at times. And throughout the movie, I found a lot of the horror moments to be very predictable beat by beat where you can recognize exactly where these jump scares were planning to be so none of it really frightened me yeah i think there was a lot of overuse of of certain techniques one of the things that really bothered me was that slow motion shell or casing falling from the gun and like hitting the floor you know you can hear the clink clink and time kind of stands still and you're supposed to get this intense feeling and it just you know after the third or fourth misuse of it you're just kind of okay yeah you're over it it's it's too many times 
it, it was a director's flair inserted by Snyder that just became very repetitive and overused to the point where it lost its entire purpose, where it seemed like it was done every time it was supposed to be an important killing and it just became a little laughable at the end where you're rolling your eyes every time and goes yeah. oh again whatever it was seven or eight times that they did it where you just you just kind of have to laugh at it um and while the remake was supposed to be more serious there were some quite a few unintentionally funny moments including this uh death of a baby scene where if you think about it you know there's baby that's born is infected its mother and father are dead now um and then all of a sudden you know it goes to turn into a zombie or whatever it is and someone has to kill it you think of that as being a sad moment or at least an intense moment where it wasn't you know this this baby looked like a chucky doll basically and it like makes this weird growling noise and it's got like glowing eyes and you just look at it it's so stupid and you just have to laugh at it. you're just like yeah just shoot it there's i don't care just get rid of it like this is what we know has to be done yeah you kind of feel no remorse for it because it doesn't look like a human baby. It just looks like this frightening creature, which no one would even think twice about getting rid of. Yeah. Uh, and so when it gets shot, you feel both relieved and also the fact that you don't care about it. Yeah, not there, at all. There, there's no real caring about it. Um, so, you know, it's tough. I, I think. I personally preferred the original Dawn of the Dead movie. Um, do you sort of feel the same way? So it's interesting. I can really appreciate and respect the original Dawn of the Dead. I loved the characters. I loved the development. I loved the arc of the whole film. And it's something that's definitely thought-provoking and, you know, an original one-of-a-kind thing. Whereas I still like that you know, entertainment value that the remake has, you know, yes, it's shiny, it's glossy, it's shallow, but it's fun. It's a movie you would grab to put on just to like strictly for, for entertainment. So I think while I really enjoyed and appreciate the original, I would probably end up watching the remake more than I would watch the original. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I definitely won't be watching the remake again. <laughs> I really didn't like it. Um, that said, uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out liveandlimbo.com where you can see the show notes where there'll be some links to some of the stuff that we are talking about. You can follow me on Twitter at DGAPA and you can follow the show at Live in Limbo. Uh, I want to thank Stephanie for coming on for the second make remake episode and I hope to have you on again. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm interested to learn what our next pairing will be. All right. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, so what, what are your thoughts? Have you seen any other George A. Romero movies? Um, do you like the original Dawn of the Dead? Do you like the new remake, Zack Snyder version? Uh, please let me know. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Serpentine 
inside. 